The vision received was that of blood cells traveling throughout the body supplying the much needed oxygen and other nutrients to the differing members of the body to fulfill their purpose. Once the blood cells are spent, they must return back to the heart to be refilled before being sent out again and fulfill their purpose. So welcome back. Um, we are going to embark on a new series. Maybe new for some of you, maybe not new for some of you. Um, but this series is going to last. It's going to last a while, um, and it's called the Principles of the Doctrine of Christ. Um, we have spoken a lot over the time that we've gone together. Uh, we've gone from, you know, the beginning of the parable of the sower, if you remember. And how, what, what is the importance of the parable of the sower and how it's really the heart of man that is going to determine whether the promises of God are going to be fulfilled in him for him. It's really dependent upon his heart and how he responds to the word. Uh, and then we went into, uh, you know, a, a Pathfinder's Bible study to give us all a better understanding of the scriptures from Genesis to Revelation without literally reading every single uh, book in the Bible, but to give you an overarching uh, view and theme, a common thread that goes from Genesis to Revelation, um, and we're going to kind of touch upon that uh, right now, some of the themes we got out of that. And then we went into the cornerstone, which was solidif kind of solidifying our foundation um, and, and our belief uh, from, the, from the truth, from the Word of God so that we would have something stable to build our lives on, to build our faith on. Because um, like I said before, everybody has faith. But some of them take their faith and build it upon sand, and some of them take their faith and build it upon the rock. And those that do it upon the rock, they remain standing when the storms come. So let me just um, start with a little intro of the principles of the doctrine of Christ and why um, <coughs> I feel that this is a necessary teaching. Even for us, I mean, there a lot of the stuff we have touched upon. It's just maybe another way of trying to share this information with you. And hopefully, remember that foundation, we don't want it to be thin. We don't want it to be that thick. We want it to be as thick as possible so that we're never moved. Um, so sometimes it's okay to go over the things, but maybe in a different way or in a different manner and still see that you come to the same conclusions and it just solidifies your faith and hopefully gives you greater understanding so that you can share it with others. So, every time we finish a particular section, I'm probably going to then ask you to do what we did last time, and I want you to give a kind of a response type of teaching for what you learned from this section. So, as you take your notes, I want you to have that in the back of your mind about what is the Lord speaking to you and what could you then share back to bless everyone? So basically, what is the Lord showing you through this particular section? And then hopefully, you know, he'll lead you on through the through his word to bring in more scriptures that either I've brought up or that I haven't brought up. I would prefer if, if, if you brought up more scriptures that I haven't brought up so that we can all see this this uh, the, the, these different principles of the doctrine of Christ in greater detail. Um, it says in Psalm 127.1, that except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. That was Psalm 127.1. In Matthew 21, verse 42, 
It says, Jesus saith unto them, Did ye never read in the scriptures? The stone which the builders rejected, the same is the head of the corner. This is the Lord's doing. And it is marvelous in our eyes. It says in 1 Peter 2.5. I'm just reading scriptures. You can listen to it and then jot down the scripture while I read it. And then you can go back on your own. It says, ye also, Peter's saying to the church, ye also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house. Unholy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. And then the last scripture to introduce this is Hebrews 3.6, which says, But Christ, as a son over his own house, whose house we are, if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope, firm unto the end. So I just gave you four scriptures. Let's see if you jotted them down correctly. John, what was the first scripture I gave you? Psalm 127.1. Monica, what was the next scripture I gave you? Mm, I, didn't get, I didn't catch that one. All right, let's help her out. Lydia, what was the second scripture I gave you? Matthew 21.42. 42. 42. Yeah, 42. Okay. It was Matthew 21. Okay. And the third scripture, Patricia, what was it? First Peter 2, 5. Good. And the fourth scripture, Ralph, what was it? Hebrews 3, 6. Okay. So you got all the scriptures. And I basically took scriptures from different places and I put it together. And I want to read it to you again, together. So just listen to it and see if you can see the connection between the scriptures. Because one of them came from the Old Testament, Psalms. Another one came from Matthew, another one came from Peter, and another one came from Hebrews. Okay? So listen to it again. Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Jesus said unto them, Did ye never read in the scriptures the stone which the builders rejected? The same is the head of the corner. This is the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Ye also, as lively stones, are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. But Christ, as a son over his own house, whose house we are, if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the Pope firm unto the end. I want you to meditate on that as you leave, when you go back, when you go over this again, and think about how are those four scriptures connected, because I see a connection. And hopefully as we go through this principles of the doctrine of Christ series, you'll see that. And some of that we have already touched upon in previous uh, series that we've gone over. God's house is his temple. We've learned that from previous studies. And his temple is the place where he resides. And presently, he resides in his what? Good, you got ahead of me. In his body, 
which is called the church. The ecclesia, the called out ones, his people. Yes, that is right. And God, it says, has the responsibility of building his house. David wanted to. We've gone over that. David wanted to build him a house. And God allowed him to build that natural house. But that structure that David built was not his house. Because God used what was in David's heart as a type and shadow of what God already had in his own mind, of what he was already going to do from the very day of of creation. He had already had a plan. So he has the responsibility of building his own house, and it says, or else we will labor in vain to build something that the word says cannot be made with human hands. The scripture tells us he does not dwell in temples or houses made by hands. The foundation of this house that he is building is a stone. And that's the stone that the builders rejected. They wanted to build their own building. And they rejected the very foundation that God had sent them to make his house. Jesus is the foundation of the house of God. And it was his purposeful doing that made that possible. This house that I've just shared with you, that we have talked about in in times past, is built upon the principles of the doctrine of Christ. God uses His church, which we know is also known as His body, as the tools and the instruments to raise up the pillars, the walls, the roof, of his house. So what I'm trying to say to you is that we, the people of God that you've already mentioned, by the anointing that has been deposited in us, must make sure that those in the kingdom have a confident, fully persuaded mind and understanding of what it took to obtain eternal life through Repentance and the born-again experience of the water and the spirit that we have studied on from John chapter 3, verse 5. And this must be done so that their connection to the foundation, remember we've already gone over what was that foundation that we want to have really, really thick. We want that connection to the foundation to be absolutely solid and immovable. Stable, secure, so that, like a tree that has a solid, solid, stable, secure foundation in the ground, where does it grow? What direction? Down. Oh, up. Sorry. Thank you. The roots grow down and out, but where does it grow up? It grows up. Does it grow at an angle sideways? Not if it has a right foundation. And if you look in the back of our yard, we've got a couple trees that they're they're leaning over. They're growing sideways at an angle. And it doesn't look right because every other tree that has a proper foundation and roots is growing straight up. 
Well, that's what we want to do. We want to grow vertically. And in order to grow vertically, we've got to have a proper foundation. It's got to be stable. Otherwise, as we're growing up, because we don't have a solid foundation, we kind of slip and we slide and we kind of lean over, and now we're growing at an angle. Okay? We don't want to do that. God doesn't want us to grow that way. He wants us to grow in a, in a proper direction, in a vertical direction. <clears throat> so the six principles, there are six, principles of the doctrine of Christ are found in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1. And two. Again, it's Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1 and 2. And I'd like us all to turn there, because that's going to be kind of the foundation of this series called the Principles of the Doctrine of Christ, because it comes from these two verses. In Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1. I'm going to let Deborah read verse 1 and Lydia read verse 2. Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto perfection, not like... I want you to pause right there. Just pause right there real quick. We are supposed to leave these principles. Okay? He's, he's writing to the church and says, therefore, after his... I mean, you could read chapter 5 and 4 and see the context of it. I'm not trying to ignore the context of it. I'm just trying to point out that we are supposed to leave these principles of the doctrine of Christ, and and do what? Go on unto perfection. Once we have a proper foundation laid, like a tree, and our root system is growing deep and wide, and it's solid and it's secure, we're supposed to grow up, maturing vertically unto what the scripture says, perfection. That's what we want. We're supposed to leave these principles. But the problem is, so many of those who call themselves Christians are trying to grow up and they haven't even been born again yet. So how do you grow up in Christ if you're not even born again? You have to be born again. So you have to have the foundational element of coming into the kingdom correct. Okay? So now, what else does it say, Deborah? Not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and faith towards God. Towards God. Okay, next. And of the doctrine of baptisms and of laying on of hands and of the resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment. Can anybody count? Well, I already told you, so I'm not even going to do that. <laughs> Alright, there are six. Name me the third one. Todd. No. Yes. Name me the fifth one. Resurrection. Good. Name me the second one. Using our resources. That's right. Using your resources and not cheating. Thank you. What's number two? Good. What's number six? What's number one? And what's number four? Okay, we just went through all of it. Instead of telling you there's six, I asked you which order they came in. They're they're in a particular order, which is incredibly important and vital for you to understand. Okay? This series is, its purpose is to take the time to explain and expound 
on the significance of entering into the new covenant that was established by Jesus Christ. We want to seek to understand the importance of what we and many early believers in the first century church to the present day, because there have been many that have been born again properly and correctly, we want to understand what they partook in through faithful and what looked like at the time blind obedience. They just heard and they just blindly obeyed. We want to see the importance of that that faithful and blind obedience to the gospel preached by the Jewish apostles. We've already focused on them and what was their importance to the foundation, right? The apostles, the, the we are built upon the foundation of the Apostles and the prophets. So we understand that they're incredibly critical and vital and important and, and equal to Jesus. He's just the key, chief cornerstone. But they're a part of the foundation. Okay? And the apostles were commanded by Jesus through the Holy Ghost in Acts chapter 1-2. We've read that. We've studied that before. And they preached the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. They solely knew and expected only one valid response to the gospel. And what is that? Okay. And we're going to get into how that's connected to those principles of the doctrine of Christ. But the word principles is translated from the Greek word arche, which means the beginning. Or origin. So the principles of the doctrine of Christ is the origin of the doctrine of Christ. The beginnings of the doctrine of Christ. So in essence, this Hebrews reference is listing to you the beginnings and the origins of the doctrine of Christ. And they are listed as follows. Number one, repentance from dead works. That's first. If you remember our previous series where we went through the days of creation. Do you remember day one? What happened on day one? Let there be light. Why did he have to start with giving light on day one to man who was in turmoil, who was, you know, confused and lost and just in formless and void? Remember, and darkness was over the surface of the deep and the spirit brooded over the waters. And then he said, let there be light. Why? To give them the, the, the opportunity to repent. Because right now they were already in darkness. They didn't even know that there was light. So God's had to say, let there be light. So that man would have the power to choose. Do I want to continue in the darkness or do I want to walk in the light? So you see, even from day one of creation, that was a picture of how do you start having a right relationship with the Lord? It starts with repentance from dead works. Second, that follows faith toward God. And we saw that on the second day. Of creation. Remember the water rose, or, or the mist rose up, watered the ground, and we talked about how that was a type and shadow of how God clothes us in garments of righteousness. How? By faith. Because we started exercising our faith in Him. And He said He would clothe us with garments of righteousness. Okay? And then the third is baptisms, and the fourth is laying on of hands. Now if I stop there and I think about that, Preaching of the gospel started with what? Repentance. There it is. What was the next one? In preaching the gospel. 
Be baptized in the name of Jesus. Now, we didn't talk about faith toward God, right? When the, when the death, the burial, the resurrection, right? Or did we? Right before we talked about, right before we talked about, repent, be baptized, receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Who did we talk about? Jesus. Remember on the day of Pentecost? Peter rose up. Was the first thing that came out of his mouth, you ingrates, heathens, you guys need to repent. Did he start with that? No. What did he start with? Jesus. He started with preaching who Jesus was. How, what, what an anointed man of God he was. And how this man was made both Lord and Christ. He is God and the promised one, the Messiah. And so as he preached Jesus, what's he trying to get your attention toward? He's trying to bring the light so that you can make a decision. So it's coupled with repentance and faith toward God is coupled together as you preach the gospel. You don't start with, Hey, y'all need to repent. No, it starts with Jesus. Were you going to say something? Well, I just said at the end of him presenting Jesus, he said, him who you crucified. So yeah. And that's where the conviction came, and they're like, oh, what do we need to do to be right. saved? Exactly. So we're seeing in the principles of the doctrine of Christ the same thing that we saw when Peter first preached the gospel. Repent. Ex- exercise your faith in God, start believing Him, start trusting Him, start taking Him at His word, because He's real and He's alive and He's coming back again and all that. And then the next thing was baptisms, because that's the very next thing you need to respond, right? When you hear the gospel, what was what, what we taught was always the first initial response of obedience to the gospel, that you get baptized. So there's baptisms. But baptisms is not just baptism of water, it's also baptism in the in the Spirit. And then it also says the next thing is Laying on of hands. Now we went through all the Acts accounts and we noticed something. That when someone received the gift of the Holy Ghost, sometimes what happened prior to that? Somebody came to lay hands on them. Two examples I'll give you. When um, Philip was preaching the gospel to the Samaritans, they had all believed the gospel. They all got baptized in Jesus' name. But what was the problem? They didn't have the spirit. And so what did the people in Jerusalem do? And? No, Peter and John. In order to do what? In order, because, yes, in order to lay hands on them so that what? They would receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So we're seeing it all in these principles. The first four are talking about how do you get born again? Now, we know that laying on of hands is for other things as well. It's for healing and all of that stuff. But one of the major um, um, accounts of laying on of hands is to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Because the second example that I can give you is remember when Paul was, uh, I believe he was traveling off the coast of Ephesus and he ran into some apparent disciples. Do you remember that? Yeah, who were John the Baptist's disciples. And he asked them two questions. When you believe, had you received, and they didn't even know what he was talking about. Gift of the Holy Ghost? What are you talking about? And one of the two things he did was he prayed for them and he laid his hands on them. And when he did that, they received the gift of the Holy Ghost. So right there in the first four, you're seeing how to be born again and come into covenant in right relationship with God. And the last two, one of them is the resurrection of the dead 
And one of them is eternal judgment. And here's what I'm going to say to you. Once you come into covenant the proper way, those first four steps, you have two possible destinations. You can be resurrected from the dead, or you can go to eternal judgment. Those are the two things that are going to happen. We may have, I can I mean, I think we may have touched upon and studied upon it, but obviously there is a resurrection that all the saints are looking forward to, to be clothed in their uh, glorified body, their garments of righteousness. They're going to shed off this old skin, and they're going to be resurrected or translated, because there may be some that will be alive at His coming, that are just going to be translated and changed from mortality to immortality. And so they're going to be changed, and that's the resurrection of the dead. But there's another thing that could possibly happen, and that's eternal judgment. Eternal judgment is, you're going to let it fire. There's two things that can happen. There's two outcomes. So really, those principles of the doctrine of Christ are a picture of the life of someone who's come into right relationship with God and where they could possibly end up. Okay? Now, to end this kind of introduction, uh, Ephesians 4.13 says, and the reason why we're going through this is because of this very scripture, till we all come in the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Because we want to be as he is in this life. 1 John 4, 17, because as he is, so are we in this world. Thus is the ministry of our Father's heart through us. Our utmost desire is to be in the Father's heart, to know the Father's heart, and express the Father's heart to you. If you appreciate listening to this podcast and were blessed, pass it along to a friend, an enemy, a co-worker, a stranger, by text, email, or word of mouth in the hopes that they might be positively impacted as you were. If you are interested in supporting our efforts, we would ask you to consider the following. 1. Pray for us. 2. Leave a positive rating or review with whomever you listen to our podcast with. And 3. If you so desire to contribute monetarily, you can do so at paypal.me slash jbenjesus. That's paypal.me forward slash jbenjesus. God bless.